Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. The next two hours are devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax, but about how, what, and why we believe as we do. A time for the open-minded, willing to challenge some of those old ideas behind what we think we know, who we are, and who we might just become. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, our chat room is open, and my lovely partner, Ravinder, awaits you there now. You can log on by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. Okay, Rav, it's time for you to tell us all about your chat room and provide one of those welcoming invitations that you're so good at doing to everyone out there. Well, I am in the chat room full of lovely people. Um, so I would recommend that you come check us out. It's uh, provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat where the conversation is always very, very stimulating. So do come in, say hello, um, share some ideas. See you there. All right. Every week we feature a spotlight segment. And in this week's spotlight of the week, we're examining the idea of personal truth. Let's put that in quotation marks, personal truth. Indeed, this is also the subject of my latest In Touch newsletter, so if you don't yet subscribe, and it's free, please be sure to do so when you visit uh, my website next. Or you can check out my thoughts on this at my most recent Huff Post as well. So let's begin where our beliefs begin, in the arena of perception. I'm going to use perception loosely here uh, to mean, in general, the way we process information overall and come to our conclusions. So let's, let's just imagine that we have six witnesses from whom we are collecting evidence. One witness states emphatically that the accused broke into her home. The next witness is equally adamant that the accused was home in bed with her at the time in question. Another witness states that they saw the man crawl through a ground-level window as they were passing in their automobile. And yet still another witness questions the certainty of that statement by pointing out how poorly lit the area is. However, they too had seen something from their home across the street, but by the time they dressed and got outside, the accused was kneeling on the front lawn of the neighbor. Still another witness insists that this is the man they thought they caught in their home and they held until law enforcement arrived. And our last witness claims that the accused was home in bed all the time with his mother. Now when law enforcement arrived, the accused was kneeling on the front yard with a gun pointed at his head by the owner of the home that was allegedly entered illegally by the accused. The accused argues that he saw someone running from the house and the homeowner ran outside in pursuit and mistakenly identified him as the burglar, threatening to shoot him if he didn't kneel and remain stationary until law enforcement arrived. Okay, think about this some. We're all aware of the problem that can arise from eyewitness testimony and the variety of descriptions that witnesses can provide. Our system of justice simply could not work if the descriptions offered by every witness were all taken to be absolutely true. 
The fact is, what we are dealing with is the perception of truth by each of the witnesses. I've reported in the past on folks who truly believe what they offer as the truth, despite the fact that the evidence says something else altogether. I've also shared stories of our propensity to believe what we want to believe. Often weaved in both scenarios is the construct known as cognitive dissonance, or the notion that we can hold two mutually exclusive ideas simultaneously and never recognize this dissonance. I'm sure you have no problem noting that the witnesses' testimony in our little example cannot all be true. So it is with truth, or we need to change our meaning of the word. Thus, when you next hear something like, that is my personal truth, recognize that as with the witnesses, they are describing the truth according to their perception, and that is all they're describing. Perception is an interesting human faculty in that science has clearly shown that there are many shared illusions, preferences, beliefs, and so forth that are literally reinforceable by false perceptions. For example, with a nocebo, one may think that they have come upon some poisonous substance from World War II, as actually happened in a small Midwestern school. The teacher who discovered this drum with crossbones on it in the basement immediately became alarmed, and within an hour she was running a temperature, experiencing breathing difficulty, inflammation, and hives. By nightfall, one-third of the school was in the hospital manifesting the same physical symptoms. Everyone magically healed when they learned that the contents of that 50-gallon drum was, in fact, only water. Perception is not truth, and sometimes it is a lie. It is false to facts. If we are to become awake, it is incumbent upon us to seek the truth. Truth seekers recognize the many possible paths others call truth, but they are unwilling to accept the herd definition and rather continue their journey seeking that ineffable and perhaps undiscoverable epistemological certainty. Monday was Martin Luther King Day. King knew well the soft-minded sophist arguments of some, as well as the convenience some found in their own so-called personal truths. He put it this way, quote, A nation or civilization that continues to produce soft-minded men purchases its own spiritual death on an installment plan. Close quote. That's pretty plain, but I also like what Gandhi said as well. Quote, an error does not become truth by reason of multiplied propagation, nor does truth become error because nobody sees it. Close quote. These personal truths have often taken on the guise of cultural relativity, among other things. Your take on this, Ravinder? Oh, I think this is a very fascinating subject. This is something you and I have talked about many, many times. Um, you know, throughout my life, I have certainly experienced those people who talk about having the truth, the one and only, you know, if you meet a born-again Christian or a, you know, a devout Catholic or any devout person of any faith, you know, they will come down to this, you know, 
but I have the truth. You can have long discussions, great philosophical discussions that go on for several hours and you think you're on the same page and at the very end they say, but I have the truth, but this is the truth. You, you can't deny this is the truth. I know exactly who you're thinking of. What, you know, that one is one, but, you know, I was thinking back to it and it's like I've had lots of these. I've had many, many of these throughout my life as I've met, you know, different people and or lived with them you have a brother that is rather he has the truth and he happens to be sick that's true he does and uh you know that doesn't sit right with me it just doesn't feel right you know especially when you look at some of the actions and the choices that they make i tend to think if someone has the truth if there is such a thing then you would see that in their actions and everyone looking upon the truth would feel that because we have that within us. I, I believe that. You see, I just don't think that it's that absolute and all of these people that say they have the truth are wrong. The other side of that equation is all of those people. I think what happens is, you know, we've reacted against that. There's lots of us, especially in the new age kind of field, who are rebelling against the I have the absolute truth. So now it has become very common for people to have their personal truths. And that doesn't feel right to me either. You know, I am searching for the truth. That is my life's quest, at least one of them. You know, I am searching for the truth. I just don't... Th I. It's going to take a while. You know, I, I don't have it, is what there is to it. But all of these people that say um, that it's my personal truth, it didn't feel right, and that was why I, you know, you and I have discussed this a lot. And your um, story that you gave first of all was a really good indication of that. Just because you have seen something for yourself doesn't make it the truth. You know, you can encounter a brilliant psychic, or supposedly, um, and you can say, "Yes, this guy is a psychic." Period. Full stop. You know, and then some years afterwards, you can discover all the tricks and you know, things that he put into play in order to draw out that information. You know, you have the same thing with m m magicians as well. You know, you can see this most incredible magic show and you can say, well, perhaps there is magic because there's no way. I watched this all myself. But you know, we know that isn't necessarily true. I understand where you are there, but you're also, you're kind of alluding to deceptive practices by, well, I mean, the, the last couple, the psychic and the magician. And I tend to think that the greatest deception is the one that we put on ourselves. You know, I, when I meet that person that walks on water, then, you know, I'll pay some very close attention until then, everyone that I have met in my life definitely has clay feet. And I have met all of those so-called gurus that are out there today. Um, so the bottom line to me comes down to truth has a dynamic side to it. In a sense, it, it, it unpacks itself a little bit at a time. It, uh, it takes on, you know, the character, if you will, of relevance and that that by by that I mean every situation tends to define itself in a way 
that we find what we thought was hard and fast maybe doesn't always apply. There is a mitigating circumstance. Mm -hmm. There is a, you know, and much like with criminal law, it isn't just the action. It's the intent that accompanies that action and then the the mitigating factors that may have, prov may have provoked it in the first place and then, you know, and on and on. I, I think what we find and what we should find is that truth per se has to begin with a premise somewhere. And, you know, for me, that premise begins with what you what we think of as the right of life. You know, um, you can you can call it the golden rule. But even with the golden rule, you're going to parse it. Uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, to yourself. Well, you know, and we find that, as you know, I recently did a paper on that. We find that in every living religion, extant religion, uh, the idea of, you know, what you do unto the least of them, you know, uh, you should be doing unto yourself, uh, or you have done unto the, unto Christ. The, the idea here is that even in that situation, we find ourselves where we, Maybe we have a serial killer or a pedophile, and we're not going to treat them the same we would like to have ourselves treated. Uh, we're going to treat them differently. Um, and so we've, you, and that's what I mean by when we, when we're dealing even with the most basic first principles, they have to be parsed. They become relative to the circumstances. And therein lies what I think of as the nature of a dynamic versus some kind of here on this earth plane, immutable, yeah. always truth. Does that make sense to you? It does. It most certainly does. All right. Let's move on. Every week I read some of your letters as our way of paying respect to the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week, our show featured Denise Lynn. Tammy commented, it's a bonus to hear Eldon and Denise Lynn together. I adore Denise Lynn and Eldon, too, of course. Well, thank you, Tammy. Elaine commented, Eldon has often said that forgiveness is the key to moving on. And as Denise's story shows, it really is a fundamental truth, isn't it? Deb had this to say, Denise has a heart of gold. What a treasure she is in this world. Great show, Eldon. Kelly wrote, this is the best radio show available. I love it, and I totally recommend you to everyone. Well, thank you, Kelly. Joseph wrote, well, I do not have the time to delve into the layers of discussion surrounding the idea of self-actualization. I wanted to take a second to thank you. Thank you for choosing this work. Thank you for having the courage to discuss the stickier topics that our society so passionately disengages from. Well, thank you for your feedback and support, Joseph. That's what we try to do most at Provocative Enlightenment, isn't it, Rav? Yes, we do. TG wrote, just a note to let you know how much I enjoy your show. I first discovered you on Hay House Radio and love your show so much that I followed you to your new two-hour show. It is, it is especially nice that the archives are available for when I miss a show or simply want to listen again. Bruno wrote, I've read your book, Mind Programming in Italian. Great job. I'd like to buy you a cup of coffee as soon as you can. <laughs> well, Bruno, the next time you're in the States or I visit Italy, let's just plan on that. Gail wrote, I am living with a 95-year-old person who has a dual life, successful Ph.D. in fisheries. He has earned a secret life of brain-related developmental disorders. 
He has white chaotic mood swings, obsessions, blind, hard of hearing, depression, anger, all rolled into one. I played the Intertalk Subliminal CD from your mind programming book. Even though he says he does not hear the CD, he is calm when it plays, and it helps me live in the same house with him. Thanks. CE wrote, I've been playing Intertalk programs in my office while seeing my patients for the past 10 years with amazing results. They have a profound transformative effect on listeners. Dave wrote, this is an email I sent out to my family and friends that I think you should hear. I've spent hundreds of dollars so far on your CDs, but figure it is a lot less than the therapy and is more effective. I personally have been studying consciousness in the mind for a long time now, and I understand how our reality we experience stems from what we believe, and what we believe is ingrained in the subconscious like a skip in a record that plays over and over. I salute you, sir. For the fine work that you're doing and the lives you are, you have changed. The thought of how your technique could change the world for the better is staggering, to say the least. Now, if you could only figure out a better way to get the word out, besides words of mouth, the world would improve much faster and you would become much wealthier in a very short time. Well, here is my email to the family and friends. Hello, I just wanted to pass this on. A good while back, I got a book from a friend called Choices and Illusions by Eldon Taylor, expert in the subliminal sciences. It came with a sample CD with positive affirmations on it. Well, when Vicky ended up in the hospital with pneumonia, where her liver and kidneys shut down and she was in a coma for two and a half days, I was with her the whole time. As I left the house to be in the hospital with her, I remembered briefly that in Eldon's book it said that the subconscious is super sensitive to anything said around a person that is in a coma, that the subconscious picks up on anything that is said around the person in that state. So, for whatever reason, I grabbed the CD player and the Intertalk CD that came with the book and headed out the door. I played the CD the whole time she was unconscious, two and a half days. When she finally awoke, she had to go to a sort of recovery hospital for two weeks before she could come home. Now, before she went to the hospital, she was on 12 heavy-duty painkillers as she suffered from chronic pelvic pain for 15 years. Three kinds of morphine, dilated, (laughs) oxycodone, were among the painkillers and a surgically installed nerve stimulator to deaden nerve sensitivity in the spine. After getting out of the hospital... To the doctor's amazement and my own, she did not need the painkillers except for Percocet. She did not need the morphine or the oxycodone, and she did not have withdrawals or have to go to rehab after 15 years of chemical relief. Time went by, and I finally got around to finishing Elden's book recently, and I decided to purchase some Intertox CDs. One CD that I got was called End Arthritis. I played the CD on a loop while I slept for no more than three weeks, And to my amazement, my arthritis in my shoulder is gone. Pretty unbelievable, but true. Intertalk has a huge library of CDs for purchase that can help a person fix many issues that they may have. I am listening to a few different ones and all seem to have a positive effect so far. I highly suggest you check this form of self-improvement out. I am still amazed at the results I got. Now, that's a real letter, Ravinder. That's really like two or three letters in one. I love that kind of feedback. Do you? Me too. I love the warm fuzzies. Okay. And Paula wrote, I am glad you have these free downloads. My friend is unemployed and they may really help. I really enjoy the one I have a lot. 
All right, now listen. For all of you out there, what Paula is referring to, I think of as our Pay It Forward program. We have several InterTalk programs that are free for the downloading at intertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. They are the real deal, not samples. This is the scientifically proven, effective, and patented InterTalk technology. You can get yours by simply visiting intertalk.com. Do choose free programs from the left-hand navigation pane, then scroll to the bottom of the page. It's really that simple. All right, that's all the time we're going to give to letters today, but I do invite you to apply by sending your email to Eldon at EldonTaylor.com. That's E-L-D-O-N at EldonTaylor.com, or by joining me on Facebook. We can't get all of your letters on the air, but they do impact our programming. And once again, I both appreciate and thank you for your feedback and continued support. Now to this week's show, Belief Repatterning with Suze Casey. Many of you are familiar with Suze. She has her own show on CTR Network, but for those of you for whom she is new, Suze Casey is an internationally published author, teacher, speaker, weekly radio show host, and entrepreneur. Suze Casey's background is extensive and diverse. Her academic achievements include a Master's of Education and Learning Styles and Curriculum Development with a minor in Psychology. Following a 20-year career as an educator, teaching students from grade 6 to postgraduate, Suze began her private practice in 1999, offering personal and business coaching programs and courses using the unique techniques she developed known as belief repatterning. Her clients share a commitment to personal growth, development, and change. A dynamic, informative, and engaging professional, Sue's fascination has always been with the mysteries of the human mind, how we learn, change, and come to know our own truths. Her greatest joy is in supporting others to learn, grow, and embrace their potential. She travels extensively, sharing her message and showing others how to simply, effectively, and permanently repattern their thoughts. Now, we usually ask our guests for three songs of life. There can be quite a bit of self-disclosure involved in this little experience. Uh, plus, we often gain insights to our guests' uh, most innermost feelings, not just their thoughts. So we like to get these three songs that represent their life and or are particularly meaningful for them. Now, since we gab so much in this first half hour, I'm going to introduce you to the first one, and then we'll bring Suze on after our break, which is about a minute and 30 seconds from now. Her first choice, her first song, is titled To Be Who I Am, and it's performed by Steve Steve Seskin. Here we are. My daddy wanted me to be an engineer. Yet to hear him talk, it was the only career. I should have known better than to try that path. Cause I didn't like science and I hated math. Well, there I was living my daddy's dream. But making him proud was killing me. It took years for me to admit I was wearing shoes that just didn't fit We all have our own road to travel We all have our own light to shine It's been a long, hard lesson But I've come to understand 
I was meant to be who I am. I gave two weeks no. I was meant to be who I am. That's very interesting. We'll be speaking with Suze Casey after a break about belief repatterning. Remember to join Ravinder and her team in the chat room. You can do that by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. Do stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss what's coming up after a few words from some of our friends. Every day, every moment, we face choices. Yet, how many of those choices are truly our own? Are you ready to step onto the path of discovery? Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestseller, Choices and Illusions. Now revised, updated, and expanded. Eldon combines provocative information, scientific research, and his own life's journey into a powerful message that we have the power to change. All we must do is be willing to choose to take the chance and change. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Well, welcome back. And Suze Casey, you know, we're just a little late getting you into the show today. I apologize for that. How are you? I am extremely well, Eldon, and how are you today? Well, I'm doing great. I'm doing really, really well. Uh, I was enjoying your conversation. It was just um, really, you know, I was just like, wow. And then I thought, oh, I get to have part of this conversation, too. So I'm looking forward to our conversation today. I, I am, too, as well. You know, now you heard the first piece uh, of music that you've chosen, and uh, obviously you've heard it many, many times. I think I can understand, because I love the lyrics to it, but tell us, how and why does this music typify your life in some way? Well, the I was meant to be who I am. I think, you know, so many of us really... It's natural. We we grow up and we try to please the taller people in our lives. And then we become 18 and we go on and we can keep making those decisions based on those patterns of what other people's expectations are for us. And even if those expectations are done in a loving, supportive way, there's still other people's expectations. And so, yes, this this is one of those songs that I have played over and over again. Whenever I've been making a life path change, it's like, who am I really and how how do I live who I really am? And uh, Steve's, Steve's song just really encapsulates that for me and, and just talks about, you know, when you make the decision to follow your own path. And when you were talking earlier about what's truth and the revel- relevance, the situational nature of it, and, you know, I really think the truth is what, what's on our own road to travel, what's our own light, and, and what do we bring to the table of life? And that's our truth. Well, you and I could discuss that one for a while. I, I, <laughs> I, I will equivocate on the word truth. You know, to me, mm-hmm. truth, uh, yeah, well, you know, I spent years conducting lie detection examinations, practicing criminalists, uh, supervising investigations, et cetera. Suze, I don't know if you know that or not. Mm-hmm. But I used to tell interviewees when they came in, truth doesn't know percentages. There's no such thing as 99% truth. I mean, how do you want your you know, spouse to be 99% faithful. Uh, So I I might equivocate with that, but I do agree that we all have um, a relative path and that we are uncovering truth as we move along that path if we try, if we're ever alert. But I do think the minute we claim we have it, 
um, we're probably as far away from it as we're going to get. And, and that said, yeah, I would agree I, with you. And it's, it's, it's that that light that feels right for you in that moment. You know. Yeah. Okay. So it's always I'll do changing. That one. Yeah, now, listen, I, I love your attitude about you know as you just expressed it about your song because around here we like to know three things: who is the messenger, what is the message, and how do we use it. So I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get started as a writer, a teacher, a coach? I mean, you know, why, why, why aren't you doing something else in your life? What are your passions? What was it like growing up? Uh, you know, uh, give us some insight as to who Suze Casey is. Well, how much time do we have, Eldon? We'll take it all. <laughs> So it's interesting, you know, when people ask me about writing, I knew from a very young age that I would be an author. And I remember as a young child walking into the library and finding where my book would be on the shelf. Um, however, I was looking in the fiction section, not in the, in the nonfiction sections. Um, and then as I got older, I would frequently, you know, wander through a, a, an airport and wander into the bookstore in the airport and take a look for where my book would be and um, in bookstores or personal development bookstores. And uh, interestingly enough, the very first sighting of my book um, in the public was by a friend in the Chicago airport, which may not seem all that strange to listeners, but given that I live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, it was pretty awesome. It's just like, wow, you know, we really do create with our minds and there's a really awesome example of it. Um, I write because I can't not write. And, um, you know, one day I, I made the decision to move from being a writer to being an author, and that's when things started to change for me. Uh, you know, I've always, I've always been, I'm fascinated with how we learn, um, as you said in the intro, and, and interested in how the mind works, and interested in exploring how my mind works, and and trying to explain that in clear ways, um, so that we, so that we're all understood. And I think that's what each of us wants to be: is understood and seen for who we are and, and believed in. And so that's just been a lifetime quest. And, you know, your music question quite unknowingly was a huge piece for me because one of the things that people won't find out about me if they just look on, you know, my typical belief repatterning bios is that I'm hugely involved in the music industry and have an absolute passion for um, an area of music called folk music and specifically singer-songwriters who write with meaningful lyrics. So for you to ask me for three songs, it was like, which one of my millions of favorite children do I want to to bring forward? And I thought, okay, I'm just going to go with what is my go-to one? What's my comfort food when I need a little reminder? And so those were the three that I chose. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Okay, let's let's do this because I I, I do want to get into the substance of of belief repatterning. Uh, you and I do a lot of collateral things, and so that ought to be mm-hmm. fun. But I'd like to sort out a couple of things and form some definitions in the beginning, if we can. Absolutely. So, as you know, I've spent some, well, over 30 years now examining why people believe some of the things they do and how these beliefs all interrelate. My work has revealed that there's no such thing as a standalone belief. Our beliefs exist in a web analogous to a spider web. And when you tweak one, the entire web may vibrate. Your thoughts on this, Suze? Absolutely, Alden. You know, when people say, I have to find the belief, it's like, whoa. (laughs) You know, there's no no haystack without 
a, a whole bunch of things in together. And, and I love your analogy of the web and when you tweak one part of the web. How I often explain our belief systems is that a belief is like a tent. And the kind of tent I'm talking about, Eldon, is the kind that, you know, you and I had when we were kids where you had, took 15 minutes to put the thing up. We're not talking about the kinds that you pull out of the bag now and kind of flip and they show up. I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about right. those old fashioned tents with that center pole in the middle that when you slept with them, you invariably ended up banging your head or, or a knee or something on that center pole. Right. And then it had those guide wires out. And so I look at a belief system as that tent. That center pole is the thought process that holds that belief in place. And what holds that center pole in place is emotions. And those are the guide wires. And one of the things that I, you know, looked at was absolutely, you know, hypnosis and subliminal things work. And I thought, I, but I'd like to find something that's conscious that I can do while I'm, you know, being, focused and awake that is really going to make a difference and i thought trying to find the belief is like trying to find the water for the fish you're immersed in them and like you say they they come in herds they come in packs and so i thought what i can do is identify the emotion and by tweaking the emotions and and shifting up the emotion then that thought will move then the belief moves with it and so the work that i do in belief repatterning really is about identifying the energy of the emotion and because our body speaks in emotional that's the emotional language um finding what that emotion is and then tying it to the opposite supportive emotion so that our mind works in contrasts and learns in that way and so then we can begin to move that belief quite simply by simply switching up the emotion. So we, we're changing the anchoring process and the emotions. Let me ask you this now. In, in my book, I believe the full power of our life beliefs through hard research, um, you know, is revealed. And it turns out that our beliefs can even decide unconsciously what <laughs> we'll die of. Indeed, mm-hmm. the study at UC Davis that was done on the Oriental Birth Science provides hard evidence of just this. So... Suze, if our beliefs are this powerful, why do so few people attend to them? I mean, why do we why do we fail to consciously choose them? What is your what is your thought about that? You know, that's a great question, Eldon. I I think I think it's because we think it's our norm, and oftentimes we don't attend to beliefs until something shakes it up so drastically whether that be you know a divorce or the birth of a child doesn't it can be you know supportive or non-supportive an accident anything that that just shakes our perception because most of us have wandered around thinking that what we think everybody else thinks now that's changing in our world and i am so grateful for it but you know 20 30 years ago when i was doing my my education well okay let's be real here 30 years ago when i was doing my educational degree um 35 years ago okay um it was it was a brand new concept that people learned differently. You know, learning styles were just coming into the awareness um, in educational realms, and that's where I really focused my my energies was that we all learn in a different way. If we all learn differently, we all perceive differently, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, so maybe the way that I'm looking at the world isn't. Let's go back to that truth concept. You know, it's not the truth; it's simply my perception. Well, that's a fairly new concept in terms of. I guess public awareness, you know, um, it's, it's, and so I think that's part of it. And, you know, as, as human beings, we seem to have this, we don't change until we're in so much pain that we need to, but I often liken it to, and, you know, people say, well, I've got to switch up my beliefs, but they wait until some kind of a 
catastrophe transforms them. And it's a little bit like going outside, falling on the ice, breaking your back, looking up at the sky and saying, I think I'll go to the gym and work out today. You know, it's, <laughs> you know why, why we're not more proactive is one of those crazy making questions. And I'm just working to help people become more proactive. Um, cause I don't, I don't really know why we do that. It's just one of our little human quirks. It is, you know, Nietzsche, uh, many, many years, uh, before you, uh, or I went to school, mm-hmm. asked that very question. Why is it we don't choose who we want to be? You mm-hmm. know, when I went, to, uh, when I was doing graduate work, uh, there were, you know, certain, shall we say, axioms, like IQ was fixed, and personality mm-hmm. becomes rigid between the ages of four and six. It's set. And, uh, you know, brain cells uh, begin to die in your early 30s, and they cannot be replaced. All of these things are false to fact. I mean, we know better mm-hmm. than that today. A year ago, I, you know, there was a study that was uh, released that showed that changing our personality is indeed probably the best thing we can do in our lives to create more <gasps> happiness, more so. And, and isn't that what you're talking about? You're fundamentally talking, as Nietzsche said, about, look, why don't we just make some different choices about who we want to be and we'll begin to substitute who we are with the emotion or compliment to who we want to be. Is that what you're, what you're basically talking about? Precisely. Precisely. I remember a really, as you're saying that, I had this, this image come into my mind and this, this took place, oh, 15 years ago. I was making one of those, um, vision boards and I found a, a thing in a, in a magazine and I cut it out and it said, find calm and go there daily. And I cut it out and I put it in the middle of my vision board and I turned to my girlfriend who I was doing this exercise with and started to laugh and said, as if that will ever happen in this lifetime of mine. Because calm was not something that defined me at all, Eldon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet I really, really wanted it. And I think that the things that we really, really want are actually who we are. And that the other stuff that's in the way that's manifested out in how we're defining ourselves are the things that are there to point us in that direction. And what I began doing was just finding calm and going there daily. And as I found calm and go, went there daily, it expanded because, of course, whatever we focus on is going to grow and expand. And so rather than trying to figure out why I was, you know, overwhelmed, uptight, going crazy, blah, 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 I focused on creating calm every day as a conscious habit. And then that beautiful subconscious mind of ours, which learns and runs patterns, started to run the pattern of calm. And people meeting me now go, God, you're so calm. And I always have a little, a little giggle because that for me was the, you know, I, I, it was, it was the absolute, I can nail it down to one specific decision choice I made when I put that piece of paper onto my vision board and went, that's who I am. That's who I want to become. You know, we are our own architects, and that's what people, I think, fail to see, Suze. We we practice much of who we are, you know. Uh, I have a friend, a psychologist in Salt Lake City, that tells me he kissed his pillow maybe a hundred times practicing before he kissed his first girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, you stand in front of the mirror, you know, young men maybe put their fingers out there and, you know, go ahead and make my day, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, young ladies, they have their own primping. But we practice, and, and that's what we don't stop to realize. We're practicing a behavior, imitating a behavior, um, you know, from the very beginning. And 
as such, we have become unconscious architects of who we are. Mm-hmm. But it, but as adults, we do have the ability to just stop and say, wait a minute, you know, I don't know that that John Wayne, fill your hands, you SOB mentality is the mentality I want. I think maybe I'd rather be more, you know, uh, and we do have that ability to do that. And I, for me, it seems that it is so obvious that, uh, you know, patently, Everyone should understand it, and yet at the same time, as you say, it seems to be that we we become habituated um, and find ourselves prisoners of our own design, unaware that we were the designers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I find really, really amusing is, you know, in, in my work, and I suspect in yours as well, too, one of the biggest challenges I have is helping people understand how easy it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. it's just a decision, and I and I often will say it's just a decide, and and people kind of look at me, and I and I use that word specifically. It's a decide, which I know is not grammatically correct. However, it is enough that Powerful. will pop people. It pops people out of their thinking that they're hearing what they're hearing, and they go, "Wow, it's like a decide. It's better it's than a it's moment. just a choice. It's just mm-hmm. a decide because a choice it's, is, well, yeah, do I or don't I? This but is a decide is like done I like yeah it. yeah thank you and and so you know one of the things that that i find really fun in my work is that you know we have this as humans we like to obfuscate and make things you know more complex and more complicated than they are and if it's really you know no pain no gain and i'm like no pain lots of gain <laughs> you know? yeah. if it's fun even more you know and and i think that yeah there's stuff that happened to all of us as kids and yet we can carry that with us or we can we can make a decide to have something different that's what i decided that day it was like find common go there daily so i began to consciously do that in all kinds of different ways and it became my way of being and feels way more like me than the other stuff did and i think that what happens is that once we become in that conscious aware space what i call your you know emotional charge card you you get to you get to spend your emotional charge card wherever you want to and and you're the one making the decisions and if you're you know parents or your teachers or your previous partner or any of those other people are still making decisions for you that's that's your choice you've you've chosen that and you get to decide what you put in your mouth you get to decide how many hours of sleep you get a day you get to decide what thoughts you think you get to decide what state of being you're in i like that now let me let me spin this by you I've come to believe that we teach what we want to learn. You know, Geraldine Kowalski <laughs> wrote a book like that. So, you oh, know, yeah. I know that I, I most certainly wish to know how high is up, how awake is awake, and so forth. You know, what 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 is truth, all right? So what is the struggle that you might deal with that you wish to learn? Well, are you asking today or are you asking where this work came from? No, I'm asking you, you, of you yourself. You, you, you're the author of Belief Repatterning. You teach okay. people how to change their beliefs. Um, you know, so, so now you turn around and you look at yourself and mm-hmm. you say, you know, this is the belief I still need to, to change. I mean, you know, uh, I can remember. Let me give you an example. I can remember for years. Um, as a practicing criminalist, I was a chain smoker. And when I, you know changed my career after running some studies at the prison system and and actually the career kind of changed for me um 
I went on smoking. I put the guns away. But so I found myself in the self-help world and I might be lecturing about, you know, the power of forgiveness, what we've learned about lowering hostility and aggression and, you know, gratitude and, and, and solid studies that we were doing. I might be doing that, but then I'd step outside and I'd, I'd have my cigarette. <laughs> one day, one day I was in Malaysia. And uh, a fellow came to me and said, you know what that person said? And, 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 and I was lecturing to a very large audience and included some very prominent people, the first lady of Malaysia. And I said, no, what? He said, should we take what you're saying seriously? Because you make a stop smoking program, but you're smoking. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes we're out there teaching something. And at the same time, what we're teaching, we're not a very good example of. My wife loves to talk about folks that teach relationships, uh, all about, you know, how to get on in the world with a perfect person. You know, this, this is your soulmate and they're serial soulmate finders. They're on their fifth or their <laughs> sixth. Okay. <laughs> so my question to you very directly, Suze, is, um, what's the chink in your armor? What 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 is it that uh, is there anything that you struggle with? Absolutely, I'm human, and therefore, you know, it's it's. And the thing that's interesting is that when I taught school, um, when I was a consultant, actually, you know, teachers would say to me, "Well, if I could just get rid of this kid, then I'll be, you know, my classroom would be perfect," and that child would get moved to another classroom, and lo and behold, another one would show up. And so, I think that's, you know, people say to me, "What am I going to be done?" And it's, you know, you're not a turkey. You don't have a little button that pops up and saying "done." Um, the process of living continues to put new things in front of us. Now, you know, 10 years ago, I wasn't looking at how do I do the same things that I do now? And how do I need to be in order to do those things were different 10 years ago, because my life was different. So what, you know, where I'm focusing now. um, And it's funny when you say, you know, we teach what we need to learn. Absolutely. So I have a, a teleseminar called being heavy weighing you down. And it came out of, I released 80 pounds in eight months. Um, I Two years ago. And um, wow. yeah, it was great. And then people began saying to me, oh, I had other friends who lost weight really fast. And if you lose weight that quickly, it's going to come back. And I went, okay, fine. I am now going to maintain this healthier weight. And I did that for a year. And then very interestingly, and you'll, you know, you, there's lots for us to talk about about the subconscious mind here. Almost to the date of that year, Eldon, I began putting weight back on. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, isn't this interesting? I told myself I was going to maintain it for a year. Okay, that change up that belief. Let's now focus on you know the next the next stage of the healthy weight plan. And so, you know, that's part that's part of it. And and that came from a friend of mine saying to me, you know, and I was on my way to the Hay House conference where you know the whole journey began in terms of the the mechanics of this book. Um, and I was on my way to that and she said, you know, how, you know, I don't mean to be cruel, but you know, you're, you're a big girl. And, and how does that fit this? And I said, you know, I've also, I'm a big girl who's also created a career out of, you know, pretty much what people don't want to talk about and don't, don't think about. Um, and I'm, you know, a successful entrepreneur and I'm a great, you know, grandma and I'm all those other things as well. And, and I thought, okay. And it hit me when she said that. And so it was like, okay, so. Put your money where your mouth is and do something about it. So currently, you know, one of the focuses is there. Um, another focus is I am 
currently on my own and, and, um, really open to the possibility and potential of a relationship and focusing on building that great relationship with myself. And so knowing that I then show up to the table in, in a more powerful way. So, you know, yeah, I'm always working on it. Abundance is something that, you know, you, you think like when I was 16, if I thought, wow, I'm going to have this, 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 and this in my life, I would have thought I was really rich. Well, now here at 56, I look back and go, I bought all those things and would like, would like more financial abundance in my life. So there's always a thing to move toward. It's, it's like going for a hike. You think you're going to get to the top of that hill. You get to the top of the hill and you go, oh my goodness, look, I can now see that. And then you move towards that. And your beliefs need to change as you journey through. You know, I, I did stop smoking just like you lost weight. And sometimes it takes uh, a slap in the face for us to get the picture. You know, we, mm-hmm. we can be just as distant. Outsiders tend to look in on successful people, especially, you know, coaches, authors like yourself, and think that everything in their life works perfectly, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, it, it is very good to hear that I'm not the only one that can't walk <laughs> on water. Well, I would, I'd like to, if I may, I'd just like to make a little, I loved when you were talking about the guru stuff earlier on. And, and one of the, one of the things that I do in my courses is I, as I write the word, you know, how do you spell guru? G-U-R-U. And I say, yes. Now I'd like you to spell it with a comma after the first letter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, G-U-R-U. You know, I'm just, just human, just learning and growing along, along with everybody else. G-U-R-U. That's, that's really very good. All right. Well, we're coming up on a hard break here and I want to introduce everybody to, uh, to the next song of yours, which we'll be playing when we come back from the break. It's called Look Up and Hope. It was written and performed by Eileen McCann. I'll ask you all about that one, Suze, when we come back from break. But we'll let our listening audience uh, listen to the music first, okay? Perfect. I want to thank everybody there out there for joining us today. If you're not already in our chat room, now is a great time to get there. So just go to Provocative Enlightenment. Enlightenment, I'll get that said, provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat and choose the chat room button near the top of the page. We'll be right back after a brief station break. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Tomorrow, 
speaking all of your darkest fears. No more Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're chatting with Suze Casey about her book and method, Belief Repatterning. But before we get back to the show, I want to invite you to join me on Facebook. I post uh, regularly everything from where I am and what's on next to the latest in science, technology, and consciousness studies. And from time to time, some of my own opinions about the world we live in. And I love your comments and feedback, and Facebook is a great place for that. So please join me on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash Dr. Eldon Taylor, D-R-E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R. All right, back to the show. Now, the music that we just played, I love the title to it, Look Up in Hope. That's that's your second choice, Suze. Tell us why this song. Well, interestingly enough, Eileen and I have been friends for years through the folk music world, and um, I've been a producer of folk music concerts and festivals for a long time and um, got to know Eileen there. And we discovered that we both had this curiosity about the mind. She's also got a teaching background and and is a very articulate and well-educated woman. And we would have these grand conversations. And, you know, she was one of the people that really encouraged me as I was developing the belief repatterning technique. I would phone her and say, try this and get back to me and tell me what happened. And so she, you know, she did. and, And she was in the first class. She was one of the people that said, you need to teach this work. And I said, I'm not really even sure how I do it myself. (laughs) Anyway, so she came to one of the first classes, and this song was written um, from her perceptions of what the work does. And so really, you know, about that looking to where you want to be. And I remember when she first played it for me, and I said, I need to have a conversation with you about hope. Because for me at that time, hope was one of, you know, I now would discern it more as yearning. It was coming from what I call the downside of the line that drained my energy. And I was almost afraid to have hope. And I think that this actually ties back into the conversation we were having earlier, Eldon, is why people don't make the decide is because they've run out of hope um, and and not understanding that hope is the thing on the upside of the line that, that fuels our dreams and fuels our passions and fuels our ability to be who we are. And we spend so much time looking back into the shadows and conjuring up the fears and trying to sort them out. And that's moments lost to creating what we really want. And so this is the song that just reminds me to keep my mind on the side of the line that's supportive and that's going to actually make a positive difference in my life. Okay, well, that's a, you know that, that makes. Pretty, I love the song, by the way. I'm, mm. you know, sometimes uh, I, I find new music when we ask uh, our guests about what their favorite songs are, and uh, and you you brought three new ones to me, and uh, they're all very very nice. Let's let's do this. Let's move on now and start looking more into your technique, what it is, and how it is that you do that. There are many different healing modalities and programs available, as you know, and most of our listeners have probably read and studied most of them, or many of them anyway. So here's what, I mean, the question is, how is your program different than what everybody else out there is offering? Well, and isn't that interesting? I I like to use the word unique because I think we're all looking for the same thing. And so different is, you know, it, different becomes a lot more subjective. And so I'll tell you some of the things that our clients really, really appreciate and value about repatterning. And it doesn't say that there's not other techniques that are doing this as well. But, 
you know, one of the things is that you do not have to go back and tell your story. You don't have to sift through. You don't have to peer into the shadows, as that that song from Eileen suggests, and and dig around for the roots. It's just what do I want to create instead, and then consciously create that feeling. It focuses on the feeling, so you don't have to find out the story. You don't have to figure out where it came from, who gave it to you, how long you've been carrying it, and so it is. It and you know, as we, you and I were discussing earlier any belief that changes it's going to it's going to tweak everything else and shift everything and so there's that piece to it another another piece that makes it unique is that belief repatterning is not an and an either or it's what i call an and also you're going to be using your mind and so if you want to use your mind in a more pr- productive creative supportive way this will do it and you can apply it then to any other technique that you're using any other things that you've been studying. And so it's not in the face of anything else. It's not better than anything else. It's just a way to teach your mind to process through the information where you, that you're learning or doing in other places. And so it works super effectively with any kind of, you know, body work, any kind of other techniques. It's It works with every religion and faith and everything else. It's just training your mind to process information. And and it's really fun because uh, clients and students will say, you know, I found myself dreaming and repatterning. Or they'll say, you know, I haven't been doing the repatterning. And I'll say, well, check in with yourself using muscle testing, which is one of the tools that we use. Check in with yourself. And they'll say, well, my body says I am using it. It's like, yeah. Are you doing it consciously? No. Are you doing it subconsciously? Yes. And that's the whole point is how do I train that subconscious mind to do it for me? And it really came from my own explorations. You know, I was listening to people and everybody was saying, you got to think positively. And I began studying Buddhism when I was 14. I knew that my mind was creating what my reality was and I got all of that, but I didn't know how to do it. And so I just sat down as an educator and a person who designs curriculum and went, how would I teach somebody to do this so that it becomes a subconscious behavior? So do I get angry and upset? Of course I do, but it lasts like moments instead of days or weeks or decades. It'll last moments. And then all of a sudden something will come into my mind and I'll find myself speaking something that is pulling me to that supportive place. And, and that's the real joy. Even if I want to be right royally upset and irritated, I can't stay there very long because my subconscious mind just moves me over to the other side and figures out a way to see the compassionate or the understanding or the loving place. Let me ask you this now, Suze. I mean, when you say there's no uncovering and there's a difference between you know, the kind of uncovering that might be done uh, in the safety of an office with a psychotherapist and mm-hmm. the kind of uncovering that's done in, you know, uh, these gestalt environments of uh, the kind that uh, LifeSpring or Est used to do, the stripping mm-hmm. down in the large groups, okay? And, you know, law enforcement often looked at those as cults because of some of the things that went on inside. But... <clears throat> common to both of those philosophies is the idea that if you don't have an uncovering if you don't actually you know discover that hidden motive that defense strategy the cause that is behind that defense strategy uh, that may be undermining your life that indeed you'll just slide into some form of symptom substitution um, you know I mean an example might be the overweight person who, um, you know, has armor plates themselves to avoid a a relationship because they were, you know, really hurt in another relationship. Not just uses food as an oral palpity, but but literally has an unconscious motive to make themselves 
unattractive. And without uncovering that motive, the theory is you might slide it across and, you know, the person may begin to lose weight, but then they may take up some other symptom of substitution that would keep people at a distance. And, you know, maybe that's smoking, you know. Uh, so my question to you is, have you found that to be of any concern whatsoever with the people that you worked with? I think that, you know, there's a place for the uncovering. And, um, but I think that for us to, to say that it, ha- it has to be is really, I think it's one of the places where, you know, if I may be so bold as to say modern psychology and modern psychiatry has really gone down a path too far. Um, I think there's a place for everything. And one of the things that I know is that when someone is in the pit, trying to define the pit is really, you know, just get them on solid land. Once you're on solid land, then that might be the place where you look back and you get the awarenesses. And that's often what happens with with my work is that people will will say, I'm not really sure how this is fitting. And it's like, it's okay. Just trust the process. Trust that if you're focusing on creating these emotions that are who you really are, things will start to become clear and that and that, that perception will change and, and shift into something much clearer for you. What happens then is that I'll have people that will phone me back, you know, days later or weeks or months later and go, oh my gosh, I just realized where my behavior was contributing to what was going on there and I'm not doing that anymore. And so they've really looked at it from the new place of being and come to the awareness after the fact and thinking that we need to know the awareness before the fact. You know, when I'm trying to figure things out, I look at nature, I look at at kids, I look at, you know, animals and a child does not have to figure out why it is lying in a cradle before it can begin to crawl. It begins to crawl because of the imperative of creating something of movement, of growth. And, you know, a child who is crawling does not have to figure out why they're crawling before they begin to walk. They just stand up and begin to walk because they see things around them that they want differently and they begin to create it. Um, you know, then when we're walking, then we might go back to crawl because it might serve us best. Like today when I was crawling underneath the table to check out something with my, with my router, you know, but it, but I don't need to understand the crawl in order to learn the walk. I do not need to understand the anger or the pain in order to create the peace or the joy. And so that's a you know that's a really unique premise that I come from, and I know that that's not a very popular one. And um, and it's okay. That's, that's very well said. I mean, especially in light of the fact that you you view your technology as a as an also technique, and and I totally agree with you. You know. Uh, there is a time and a place for an uncovering, and if, if you're in pain, that's not the time. You, mm-hmm. know, you want to get out of the pain and, mm-hmm. and then deal with, uh, with the uncovering, if, if indeed it's, it's necessary. A lot of things, of course, that you deal with, you know, you know business coaching and so forth, uh, you know, that issue isn't at all relevant. So, Well, it, it, you know, it actually is, and I, and I do deal with a lot of people that well, are, good. you know. Flush that and, out for me. Tell me how. Yeah. Um, okay, so let me, I'm just going to give you, I, I like to speak in metaphors and stories. And so, and I'm from Canada, so, you know, apologies to those people who don't know about snow, but we Not have needed. snow here. <laughs> well, I'm in Spokane, so, so I know so what snow you, is. You know snow, okay? And so let's say, Alden, that you and I decided that we are going to go for, you know, you're going to come to Canada and visit me, or I'm going to take you up to the Rocky Mountains, we're going to go climb a mountain and look at some beautiful spring flowers, some, you know, right. beautiful mountain spring flowers. And you get here and we get a dump of snow. We get 20 inches of snow. 
Well, we can sit there and try to figure out where the snow came from, why the snow came, you know, how come the snow came. And, and it doesn't matter how much we study barometric pressures and, you know, where the where the weather patterns are. The, the reality is we've got a dump of snow. And what are we going to do about the wildflowers? You know, was the purpose for you and I to spend time together, then we might decide to go to a restaurant and have a meal together. If the purpose was to see the wildflowers, we're going to have to get out our calendars and look at next year because that only happens at those times. And so it's it's less about what happens and more about what do I want to do with what happens? How do I want to navigate what has happened up until now if it's not serving me? I don't know if that's if that clarifies no, 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 it a bit. Yeah. I, I do. I mean, I guess what I was saying is, if you're dealing with a small business and you're coaching, uh, you know, uh, the owner of that small business and uncovering uh, of the kind that we would, you know, we would have involved in psychotherapy mm-hmm. is is a moot point. Uh, at least I don't see how that fits in. And I thought you were going to tell me how it might fit well, in. Well, I think how we do anything is how we do everything. And so if someone's having a challenge in their business, they're also likely, it's likely playing out in other places as well and often can be traced back to. But, you know, trying to find the root of something for me, if I go to nature and I look at how come this plant isn't growing, me digging around the roots and pulling up the roots and trying to look at the roots is not going to support it. Me giving it what it needs to grow and flourish you know, sunlight and, and vitamins and good water will help support it. And so that's what, that's what I really look at is that. Right. I think we're coming from two different places though. You're, you're, I'm asking you a question from a standpoint of how high is up and you're answering a question from a standpoint of how sick is the patient. So. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm not, I'm not seeing that, but, but go ahead. Question on. I I mean, certainly you counsel people who are successful. They're already successful. Absolutely. All right. And, and, and people uh, who they are... They have a business that's successful. And so they may say to you, all right, Suze, look, take a look at what I'm doing and tell me how I can do it better. There isn't an uncovering involved in that process. That's my point. Okay. Or did I, I miss I, yeah, something? But, yeah, I, you know... I I would not be looking at tell me how to be successful. I would be saying, okay, so what energy do we need to move into to create what it is that you want to create? And is there an energy that's stuck that's holding an old belief in place? And I don't really need to know or care what that belief is. Let's just switch up the energy and move into a higher vibrational place. So the goal is less trying to create an end product and more moving into a vibration which will allow for new possibilities to emerge, many of which are better than what you had thought that you wanted to head to in the first place. And so I do work a lot with people who have got chronic illness. This was developed out of my own need from my own chronic illness and and, and debilitating place that I was in in my life. Um, and so it works as effectively with that. And I had done years and years and years and years of 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 work trying to uncover and I kept going okay I get the story I understand all of that and yet I'm still running these patterns and so you know I thought okay where you know there is a place absolutely for all of that and also a place to just say okay enough and and what I've even come to is that mm, oftentimes that uncovering place is, is done in a more healthy place once we're on solid ground and so the repatterning techniques helps people get into that solid place Okay, let me ask the question differently, Suze. I read your book. I like your book. Uh, Thank you. I come away from your book with the idea that I can use the material in this book. I can use your technique, irrespective of who I am. 
If my name is Gandhi, if my name is Martin Luther King, if my game, if my name is Barack Obama, there are tools in your book that can be used uh, to uh, improve the quality of my life. Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? I mean, um, this but is that's not just absolutely. for sick people. Right? Oh gosh, yeah. It it works great for getting people out of the pit. It also works okay, even better when you've got, but, but when you've got a solid foundation. That's where exactly. I'm going. What if you're okay. not in the pit? Yeah, when you've you're got not a solid in the foundation. Pit. Absolutely. Um All right. Now how do you use the program if you're not in the pit? How okay. how do we use belief repatterning if everything is working in my life right now? And I'm sitting mm-hmm. there and you could ask me a question, you could say what is there you'd like to change? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'd like a little more free time, but, I, you know, I, actually, I, everything is working great. Mm-hmm. Your book makes it pretty clear how you can, how you can decide for yourself to make that next step, that, take that next, uh, you know, move to that next rung on the ladder, what, what I was saying earlier, the how high is up. So from that position, how do I use belief repatterning? So what I generally do, and, and I, I understand where your question's coming from now, what I generally do is just say, okay, given this, is there some place, is there something I can do to support me in, a, in another way or in a new way? And then I move into that place. And so it's a little bit like, you know, when, when I was a little kid and we got television, we thought that was like the be all and end all. And then it got color. We thought that was pretty great. And then it got, you know, bigger. And then we got HD. And it's like, you know, and then we get sounds around. And it just, there's always a place to tweak it up. Um, and, and, you know, we're about growth and people, you know, I said earlier, but when am I going to be done? And, you know, maybe when you die, but I'm not even sure of that. Um, <laughs> I just think that it's all continual process of growth. And so there's always another, another piece to go. And so it's the, rather than looking for what's wrong and that we need to fix it, it's like, okay, so here's where I am in my day to day. So let's look at today. I, first thing I do when I wake up, I have created a, a habit of that. I wake up and I smile. And that's a, it's just a very conscious habit that I've created and I don't even think about it anymore. Um, and then I go, okay, what's my word for today? And I choose a word. I choose a vibration that I, that I'm going to just play with today. And I plant that in my, in my mind. And I just say, okay, so today's word was truth. Now it doesn't mean that I'm not sitting in truth or that I have a deficit of truth or that, you know, I have a problem with truth. It's just where can I create more truth today? Where can I, notice truth where can i expand on truth where can i bring truth to a situation where can i and so it's it's more of a uh when you're in a good space it's more of a how do i tweak it and fine-tune it and bring a piece of me that's that's maybe a little bit more intense or or different or more supportive yeah that's what i wanted to hear now now let's go sorry sorry i misunderstood your question no that's all right hey you know nothing like answering the question that wasn't asked yeah (laughs) great let's let's do this let's go to i mean you're you're now you're you're into an area that i really want to spend a minute or two on hard research shows us that the subconscious makes about 90 percent of our choices nucleus accumbens for all intent and purposes uh, fMRI folks are watching it make your choice and they can know that technician can know six to ten seconds before you decide what you're going to decide so yeah. you know, we fool ourselves in thinking that you know we're consciously choosing a lot of these things and you know that gets really complicated but here's where I want to go you just said this you have so corrected 
um, well, and, and I should use a different word. You have so conditioned yourself that when you wake up, you just smile. Now, you know, the act of smiling, um, that fools the brain, just contorting those facial features, and the brain's going to put endorphins into the system. So there's a real practical application for that. And then you're choosing, I mean, that's an action, and then you're choosing a cognitive process, a focus mm-hmm. of cognition. That's the next thing. And your word you said was truth. And, and you, you have established a habit pattern uh, of doing this. Isn't that a part of what belief repatterning is? And if it is, flush it out. Take it, take it all the way. I, I have my first action. I have my first word. Where do we go now? Well, it's about creating that habit. And so, you know, it's interesting. The, the word of the day is, is a technique that I, I, I've taught for ages and ages. And people say to me, Oh, I love that. When I use it, it works really, really well, but I forget to use it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So then I created an app. So it just like fires you off a word every day, um, for people that, that need the reminder. And then they might go, I don't like that word. I'll pick a different word for today. And so it doesn't really matter what it is, is it's just saying to that 98% of your mind, when you're just on neutral, this is what I'd like you to think about today. And it's really interesting how quickly we do those associations. Um, the book is filled with little practices as, as you discovered from reading it. And, and thank you for, you know, for the honor of, of reading my book. I really appreciate it. I'm loving your book. I have book. to say, but, I'm, but, you I'm know, about flesh out through. some of these practices, yeah. Seuss. That's well, what I'm asking you for. Flesh yeah. One out of the, some of them. one of the things around smiling, I mean, I made a decision to smile when I wake up and, and that was largely due to someone that I, that I was in partnership with who, who, who woke up every morning unhappy. And I was just like, okay, that I don't want that. I want to wake up happy. So, Every night before I went to bed, I smile first thing. And then as soon as I could in the morning, I would, you know, consciously remember it. I would smile. And if I got as far as the bathroom mirror, then would be, oh, yeah, smile there. And then I just kind of gradually moved it forward. One of the practices that I suggest in the book is when you're in a building that has lots of doorways, like a a mall or a school or a, a hospital, and you're walking down a hallway through lots of doorways, just consciously smile as you do that. And And you don't have to do this billions of times. If you do it three or four times over a couple of days... All of a sudden, you have trained that subconscious mind, doorway smile, doorway smile. And so when I walk into a room, I walk into a room with a smile. I don't have to think, oh, i got to walk into this room and be positive. That's just too hard of work for me. (laughs) I want to train the subconscious mind to do whatever I can for me so that my conscious mind can then be focusing on what it needs to be, which is navigating the circumstances right in front of me, rather than trying to play out those those old figure-out tapes. You know, one of the things that I did enjoy most about your book, and it's a great book, and I would, you know, I, I suggest to everybody, you know, go get go get a copy of this book. First of all, it's a cognitive process, like you said. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that I'm involved in, and you know, I, I'm I'm actually taking part. I I am, you know, not just the architect. I am the builder of what the architect has decided my new life is going to be. And these mm-hmm. little action plans that you have, these li- these little ways that we're creating, just to you know, it, it isn't. It's classical conditioning, really. It isn't mm-hmm. a lot different than the Pavlovian Pavlov. ring yep. of dog, the bell that the dog salivates. Exactly, but, walks through the door and they'll smile. Exactly. That's yep. right. And 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 uh, well, anyway, uh, I could go on and recommend your book. It, it is a marvelous book. You do some great things. But we have a break coming up here, so I'm going to turn to that. When we come back from the break, Suze, I, I want to talk to you about 
an example of how you would do belief repatterning. Indeed, maybe we'll see if we can get a volunteer to call in and let you repattern them. Huh? I would love to do that. We hope you are enjoying our show today with Suze Casey and our discussion about her approach to repatterning your beliefs. You can visit her website and learn more by going to www.suzekasey.com. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes and take your calls. Indeed, if one of you out there would like to volunteer to experience belief repatterning, call in and Suze will show us all how this works. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? Inner Talk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. Inner Talk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier. From losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. You can join in the conversation by calling 877-230-3062. And for our international callers, you can join us by dialing your country code and 425-644-5620. You can also participate by entering the chat room at eldentaylor.com forward slash chat. You can email Eldon from anywhere on the world by sending an email to Eldon at EldonTaylor.com. Now, back to the show. A hero of the humankind 
So tell me what shall I do with these hands of mine? Some hands can stop life from dying. Some hands comfort a baby crying. So tell me what shall I do with these hands of mine? What shall I do with these hands of mine? What shall I do with these hands of mine? The world could use a hero of the human kind. So tell me what shall I do with these Music. These Hands, performed by Brother Son. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're speaking with Suze Casey about belief repatterning. We'll take your calls in this half hour, so if you do have a question of our guest, either give us a call or submit your question in our chat room. Ravinder and Andrea are there to put your questions forward. Okay, now, Suze, that was your third choice of music. I don't think I have to ask you about this one. I I mean... (laughs) I happen to love country music, you know, folk music, especially ballads where the message is understandable and meaningful. But I'm going to ask you anyway, why that one? Well, this is the one, you know, as a human being, we end up doing the human doing thing. And I didn't coin that one, but I think it's very clever. And people will always say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I say, how do you want to be? How do you want to be? And once you get that place of being set, whether that is whether I want to, you know, be in truth, whether I want to be real, whether I want to be in joy, whether I want to be calm, whether I want to be whatever that word is for you, whatever that feeling is that you want to be, then the do comes out of it. And further on down through the song, it comes to the resolution of it. And it says, you know, I want to sing it from my heart. I want to hear it in the wind till it blows around the world and comes back again. And all that we can ask is for ours to be free to use them when we want for whatever the need. And I think that the way that we free our doing is by being who we are and showing up as us. And the way that I know how to create that is by repatterning my thoughts until I get closer and closer to that place of truth for me in this moment. And uh, and that's going to shift every time something else happens. Because <laughs> as we it. talked at the beginning of the show, truth is pretty elusive. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's, it's a great piece. That was my favorite of the three for what that's oh, worth a, to you. It's a great song and was written by Dave Gunning and George Canyon and actually has been made into a children's book as well. Um, I just love the Brother Son rendition of it because the three, three-part harmony with it is just so rich. It is rich. It is very rich. You know, you have a question that I'm, I'm going to put to you and then put to the audience, let you kind of, you know, and then we're going to go to the phones because they have lit up and mm-hmm. you're going to actually get a chance to do some live repatterning, okay? Yay, yippee. But you, you open a lot of your speaking engagements with, I think, a very provocative and powerful question. And that is, it goes this way. If you spoke to your friends the way you speak to yourself, how many friends would you have? Mm-hmm. You know, when you ask that question, what, what have you discovered is the impact of the well, question most, itself? Most people look away <laughs> or they start to laugh or they go, oh, my God, 
you know, no, none. And it was one of the things, Eldon, that really drew me to your work. Cause of course, you know, you talk about inner talk and it's like, yeah, like I, you know, most people say I would never talk to other people the way I'd speak to myself. And it's like, yeah. you know, when I, when I get really comfortable with an audience and I'm feeling pretty comfortable with now, I'll often come back with this. It's like, you know, would you sleep with somebody that talks to you the way that you talk to yourself? <laughs> You know, I'm I'm here to tell you, you're sleeping with yourself, you know, and would you sleep with someone? Would you sleep with a partner that talks to you that way? No, you would not. And yet you're sleeping with yourself and you're in that subconscious state for, you know, six to 12 hours, depending on how much sleep you get every night. And it's imperative. It's imperative that you learn to speak to yourself more kindly, which is what I love because the inner talk work that you do and the belief repatterning work that I do just dovetail beautifully together. It's just, you know, it's just a great combination, I think. So I'm real excited about about it. All right, so are you ready for a phone call? I am so ready for a phone call. All right, well, we have Tony from Alberta on line one. Let's just go to Tony. Uh, Tony, welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. Would you like to be repatterned today? I would really love to be repatterned today. So, hi, Tony. Hi. Um, how can How can I support you today? Well, what I'm looking for is the fact that I would like to, I have a goal in my mind, mm-hmm. and I feel like there are a lot of surrounding issues that are preventing me from going towards my goal. Perfect. So let's just find out what we can do to support you with that goal. And this kind of ties back to what Eldon and I were talking about earlier when somebody's in a place and, you know, it may not be something wrong. And the thing is, is that if you're focusing on those issues, Tony, you're going to get more issues and then you don't need more issues. <laughs> okay. So let's just find what the energy of it is. What I'm going to do with your permission is I'm going to muscle test surrogately on your behalf. Don't need to use the muscle testing, but it's just a lot faster. And I'm, and I'm conscious of the time that we've got here. And I'd really like to use the time to repattern. So are you cool with that? Yes. Okay. So we're, what can we do to support Tony here? Okay. So I'm just going through a list, an alphabetical list that I created in a book called Pathways to Patterns that gives emotions that tend to block us and opposite ones that tend to move us forward. So is it under K-L-M-N-O-P-Q-R? When we get the word, Tony, please do not own this word. What I mean by it is just saying that this is the energy that's stuck. We're not looking for who gave it to you, how long you had it, or any of that stuff. So if I said the word down, you would say the word up. We're going to look for the opposite word. So when I find the word, you're going to give me the opposite of it for you. And it doesn't even need to be in this circumstance. So just like, what's the opposite? What's the first word that comes to the opposite? Okay, so it's on the second page of R from the bottom. So if I said left, you're going to say... Right. And if I said cold, you'd say... Warm. And if I said restrained, you would say... Open. Open. Okay. Is it more than that? No. So what we're going to do is we're going to move from restrained to open. Are you cool with that? Yes. Okay. So you know the feeling of restrained and you know the feeling of open. And what we're going to do is join those two through a series of patterned statements that I'm going to say and ask you to repeat. Are you familiar with my work before this? Yes, I am. Okay, so so you know a little bit. But for people who are listening, there's nothing magical about the statements. It's just a moving towards. Because if I had Tony right now say, I am completely open around this goal, the monkey in her head's probably going to come up with, well, tell me what the monkey's going to say. So try it, Tony. I'm completely open around this goal. I'm completely open around this goal. And breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And what does the monkey say? You're limited. Yeah, which would kind of be restrained, which is the word that came up. Isn't that cool? (laughs) 
Okay. So we're going to walk through a series of pattern statements to move you so that you will be able to say, I am open around this goal when we get to the end of it. Are you good with that? Okay, so there's six stages to the repatterning process, and it's not important that you know them all, but I outline them all really clearly in the book. The first three are forgiveness, permission, and choice. And so let's get to that choice stage, and then I'll talk about the other three really briefly. Forgiveness is where we just acknowledge what's going on. And then permission is where we open to a new possibility, and choice is where we make a decision between the two, okay? So I recognize that restrained feeling, and I forgive myself for believing it needs to be who I am. I recognize. I recognize that restraint feeling. And I forgive myself for believing. And I forgive myself for believing. It has to be who I am or has to define me. It has to define me. Okay, breathe it in through your nose and out through your mouth. I forgive myself for believing the way things have been in the past is the way they're going to stay. I forgive myself for believing the things that are in the past are the, are the, way they have to stay. Okay, breathe that in. And you'll notice that people who are listening, she didn't repeat it exactly. It's okay. It's about the feeling of it. And and you've got that feeling. You've recognized that file folder of restrained. Okay, so I forgive myself for believing it's hard to open up to new possibilities. I believe, I, oh, can you say again? Isn't it interesting you say, okay, so I forgive myself for believing. I forgive myself for believing that it's hard to open up to new possibilities. That it's hard to open up to new possibilities. Okay, breathe it in and let it go. And is your monkey having any comments along the way, Tony? You tell me what the monkey says. And that monkey's just that little messenger from the subconscious mind to the conscious mind. So, he's so far, knocking. so good. He's knocking, but I'm not letting him in. Oh, okay, so let him in. Okay, that's one of the things. We tend to block it out, and it's like it's going to give us some really good information. So just open the door and say, hi, what did you want to say? Okay. And see what he has to say. I'm feeling like it's saying, like, you never forgive yourself. (laughs) Ah, okay. I'm learning to forgive myself. That supports me in opening up. I'm learning to forgive myself. That supports me in opening up. Okay, breathe that in. I recognize that not forgiving myself feeds that restrained place, and I'm tired of it. I recognize that not forgiving myself feeds that restrained place, and I'm tired of it. Okay, breathe that in. Is that okay? Yeah. Monkey's probably nodding and going, yeah, darn right, I'm tired of it. Okay. I give myself permission to forgive myself for things in the past and open up to new possibilities. I forgive myself for... I give myself permission. I give myself permission... To forgive myself for things in the past. To forgive myself for things in the past. And open up to new possibilities. And open up to new possibilities. That's what I want. That is what I want. Okay, breathe that in. Okay, monkey okay with that? Yep. Yep, okay. So now we're moving from the permission place, which is where we open up the door. Literally, I talk about that in my book. It's kind of opening up the door to a new place, and that's what you're saying. The monkey was sitting behind a door, so open the door, okay? Now we're going to go to choice. So I'm going to ask you to just, this is one of the you know, cognitive things that I that I suggest people try out. Put in your right hand the feeling of being restrained. And look at your right hand. You might even find that it's like fisting up on you, that feeling of being restrained and limited. And feel how that feels in your right hand. And then in your left hand, I'm going to ask you to put the feeling of being open and the, the possibilities and the newness and how you will feel when that goal comes to fruition. Okay? 
Yes. And so when I say the word restrained or limited, I'm going to ask you to look at your right hand. And when I say the word open or possibilities, I'm going to ask you to look at your left hand. Okay. So I know those old restraints and limitations and I'm tired of them. I know those old restraints and containment and I wish to get rid of them. I'm tired of them. I'm tired of them. Okay. Breathe that in. And then look at your left hand. I know that feeling of open possibility. It's what I want to create more of. I like it. I know that feeling of open possibilities. I know it. It's, I want to create more of it. And I want to create more of it. Okay, breathe it in. Monkey okay with that? Yes. Okay, now weigh those two, you know, kind of back and forth. I can feel restrained or I can be open to possibilities. I can't do both at the same time. I can feel restrained or I can feel open to new possibilities. I cannot both at the same time. So I'm consciously choosing. So I'm consciously choosing. Which one? To be open. To breathe, breathe, breathe it in. You've just given a very clear message to every part of your being that that's your decide. Okay? So that choice places what I call the line. And now the next three stages are what we're going to do to reinforce that. Freedom's where we play with the idea and try it on. Um, affirmation is where we find an example of where you've done it successfully, and then surrender is where we just claim it. Okay, so are you ready to move on? Yes. I am free to open up to new possibilities. That's what I want. I am free to open up to new possibilities. That is what I want. Okay, breathe it in, and what's the monkey have to say about that, if anything? Nope. Yeah, don't have to go chasing it. It'll show up if it needs to. <laughs> okay. I am free to be in the place of possibility and open to it. I am free to be in the place of possibility and open to it. Okay, and breathe that in. Now, one of the things that often keeps us in that old restrained place, Tony, is that we think that what we have to do has got to be some big monumental fly to the moon and back again before breakfast um, kind of a thing. And what it actually is, is something small. So is there some small five minute or less thing that you can do that would be an open to possibility thing today that would be in the direction of that goal? I think I've opened all the doors that are possible to me to make that happen, other than okay. my own fears. Ah, okay. Uh, yes. So is there a door that you could open to a fear? I know how we can do it. I've got an idea. Okay. I am free to list down all the openings I have already done. I am free to lift down. To list, yeah, list down, like just make a list. Okay. Down all I'm, the possibilities that I fear. Oh, uh, yeah, let's back that one up, okay? okay. What we're going to do is we're going to, I'm asking you to make a list. You said, I think I've already opened all the doors possible. So what I'm going to ask you to do is when we get off the call to make that list, you know, I've done, I've made this phone call, I've opened up that conversation, I've done that, and make a list of those things and okay. decide that they're heavier and bigger and greater and have and when I say heavier they're, they're like they have more weight than the fear does okay okay so yes. I'm free to list down all the possibilities that I've opened up to I'm free to list down all the possibilities that are available to me and let that dissolve the old fear and let that dissolve 
the old fear. Good. Breathe that in. What does the monkey say about that? No, that's very good. Okay. So we're at the affirmation stage now, which I kind of halfway led you to with that list idea, but I know what it's like to open possibilities. It happened and find an example recently where you opened to a possibility and it worked out really well. Like maybe you went and had opened up a conversation with someone or you, you know, did, did something that just opened a new possibility for you. Maybe you tidied up a drawer and opened up the possibility for organizing. It doesn't matter what it is. Okay. I know what it feels like to open to possibilities. I know what it feels like to open to possibilities. I did it recently when I... I did it recently when I... You're going to have to complete that because I don't know what you've done recently. When I made the phone call and it seemed like all the energies were synergized and everything was in its place. Okay, and you're thinking of a specific phone call? I am. Okay, good. Breathe it in. Because what we're doing is we're saying to that subconscious mind, here's a new thing to put in your file folder. Okay? Because it's got lots of examples on the other side, building up the fear side and the limitation side. What we want to do is build up the file folder on the upside of the line. Okay? So let's go here. I also opened to possibilities when I called Eldon's show today. I also opened many possibilities when I dialed into Eldon's show today. Okay, breathe that in and let it go. I am open to possibilities, and that helps me move toward my goal. I am open to possibilities, and that helps me move toward my goal. Good. Breathe that in. And what's the monkey say? He's not even visible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you kind of got a thumbs up going on. That's the statement that you were you know, having struggle with at the very beginning. So we've shifted the perception just by building up the evidence on the other side and using that six stage process that I outline in my book. So any questions or comments? Are you good? No, this is very good. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you calling in. And Tony, could you make sure that um, you give the person who's taking the calls your email address? Because what I'd like to do is send you an invitation to join me on one of my teleseminars at, um, uh, as complimentary for, for phoning in today. I really appreciate that you did that. Thank you. You're very welcome, Tony. Take good care. Thanks for calling, Tony. All right. Now, you know, I'm, I'm going to offer an apology to all the other callers. The lines were all jammed, but uh, obviously you can see that a repatterning is not something that you can get done in um, the four minutes that the show has remaining. So, but we do appreciate your phone calls. And, and could I just uh, could I just interject, Eldon? Um, sure. My show, which used to be at this time, um, but is now on Thursday afternoons at uh, three o'clock Mountain Time, two o'clock Pacific on CTR Network. What I do for an hour is take callers and do repatterning. And you so, any, anybody mind. who's called it, yeah, perfect. <laughs> you read my mind. I was about to tell him that. So now, Suze, repeat it again. Your show and your website. The show is on CTR Network, so the same network here, and it's on Thursday afternoons, um, 2 o'clock Pacific time, 
uh, three o'clock mountain time, which is where I am. Um, so that's how I always think of it that way. So two o'clock Pacific time. My websites are suzecasey.com and I would encourage people, if you go look at it now, just recognize we are in the middle of a revamp on it. And I am hoping first of February, the new one will be up and running. So come back and visit us then as well. And you also can find out about the technique itself on beliefrepatterning.com. Um, if I can put a little aside on that, I kind of giggled when you were giving my website out earlier, Eldon. That's the, it's the American Canadian because I always say it's suzecasey.com, S-U-Z-E-C-A-S-E-Y. <laughs> when you said S-U-Z-E, I'm going, no, no. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. American, that's how they spell it. Yeah. <laughs> Just different well, perceptions. Different perceptions. Yeah, different perception. All right, Suze, we have uh, about a minute and a half. In that minute and a half, what is it that you would like to leave with our callers as a final message of your message, what you have learned, what you teach, what you would like them to take away? Well, I would just really appreciate the opportunity to talk to your guests here, Eldon. And I think that, you know, my message is much the same as your message. You talk about choice and, and I just talk about make a decide. And so the message that I would like to leave people with is no, you can and will repattern absolutely anything you choose. Wherever you are currently is just where you are currently, and it's a result of the decision and choices that you made up to this time. And so if there's something that you want to change, make different, make better, improve, expand on, just make a new decide and a new choice, and it'll be yours. You know, I'm going to add to that. Tomorrow morning, everybody out there, when you wake up, smile. Remember to do that. Let those endorphins fill your system with all those good chemicals. And put your word, make your word, make it decide. You know, let's just, we'll just do three. Make it decide. That's a great action word. That's a great place to go. That's, uh, and you'll accept that one, will you not, Suze? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have, you know, as I say, that app that sends out a new one, and I've also got a little pocket pocket full of possibilities that's got 999 words in it, and decide is one of them. So <laughs> totally, yeah, just pick a word that, that, puts you on the right side of the line and, and let it that navigate you through the day all right do check out the book it's belief repatterning a wonderful book i love the book myself do check out sue's website all right we've come to the end of another episode of provocative enlightenment i want to thank our guest and all of you for joining us today i hope you have enjoyed our show and we'll join us again next week, same time and same place. And do, you know, tell your friends. Let's have them all join us as well. And again, remember to tune in to Suze's show. You can have your own belief repatterning done there. All right. Until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters. Provocative Enlightenment has been brought to you by Progressive Awareness Research and other sponsors. Provocative Enlightenment is a syndicated show and appears on other networks. For a schedule of showtimes, visit ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, write to Eldon at EldonTaylor.com.